Well, those prophets uh, spoke a word to their day. They speak a word to our day. There is absolutely no doubt about that. We have uh, certainly made our way through the, the weeks of the summer. The summer has moved along all too quickly. We uh, have each of the Sundays of the summer have uh, acquainted ourselves with the, uh, with the ministry and prophecies of the minor prophets. And we come today to the end of our uh, present sermon series. We look forward uh, here as we move into the fall talking about discipleship. But today we, uh, we conclude the sermon series on the minor prophets. And as we have said on a number of occasions, uh, the, the things that the uh, minor prophets said, uh, the things that they prophesied were by no means uh, minor. Uh, they were major in every way and certainly affect our lives even to this day, just as the, as the video had shared just a second ago. Their word is as timely today as it was the day it was spoken. That's just the way the prophetic is. And it's good that we have spent these, um, these weeks diving in on the prophetic and to hear yet again the very things that God wants to say to us today. Today we consider the, uh, the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. In a lot of ways, it is a bridge between the Old and the New Testaments. It, it points us to the Messiah who will eventually come. We know him as Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is always good to listen to last words. In, in conversation, last words are usually the very things that, that a person wants to say. You know, some of what is said just kind of, kind of makes introduction. Uh, some of what is said sort of paves the way for that last word that really uh, brings home what the intention was all along. Lawyers always use closing arguments to bring their point home. Last words uh, usually get at what needs to be said. The book of Malachi is not only the, the last, uh, last word in and of itself, but the very last chapter of this, this great book serves as a sort, sort of um, ultimate last word. It speaks of things to come. So let's hear about those things as we read today from Malachi, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 6. Let's hear this from God's Word. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and, and every evil doer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them, but for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the, the hearts 
of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So this is the word of the Lord, and it is God's word for God's people. And may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us as we hear this word and as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this word. As with the uh, other prophets that we've studied this summer, Malachi is not at all hesitant about uh, expressing the Lord's judgment. We read a good dose of that here in this last chapter of the book of Malachi, and if you read the other three chapters, you will find that is certainly the case. Malachi is not at all hesitant when it comes to uh, expressing the Lord's judgment. But yet in the mix of, uh, of that expression, we begin to get a sense of uh, who God is and who He is as a loving and righteous judge. And indeed, after all, God is a loving yet righteous judge. In Malachi, there are uh, all sorts of questions asked. Some of the questions are asked by the, the people. Most of the questions are asked by God Himself. And God is, is ready to provide the answers. And in providing the answers, this gives him plenty of space to be able to express the very things that he wants to share. This format that runs its way all the way through the book of Malachi offers God plenty of room to express himself and to share what he longs to share with his people then, what he longs to share with his people now. God's patience was running thin. His patience was running thin with, uh, in regard to the priest. His patience was running thin in regard to his relationship with the people. The people had long since returned from exile. The temple had been reconstructed. We, we, we talked about that last week. The priests, though, began to, to put their focus on other things as they began to to settle in to, to sort of a malaise spiritually. They began to think about other things which then interrupted the right and true worship of God. On the part of the priests, there was a lot of talk. There was very little action. Because of that, the people began to go astray, and God was none too pleased. Worship had become more a diversion than anything else. It became more a matter of duty, just something to, to check off the list. The people began to disregard what, what God had to say. The people went about their business as if God was not even involved. They, they began to ask the question, a question that is asked by, by all of us even to this day, God, what can you do for me? It was as if the universe revolved around them rather than the universe revolving around God Himself. We should not be surprised then that the people became uh, uh, confused. There was not a lot of hope to go around. 
they really were not living the sort of lives that God had, had longed for them to live, even as they returned from exile. That's what happens when you begin to doubt God's presence and power, when you put yourself first instead of God. That's something for us to consider. Denying the power and presence of God in the everyday, putting ourselves first rather than God, we begin to lose sight of God and His great work in our lives. So Malachi makes his way in, into that uh, scene. He, he begins to speak the, the very Word of God. He, he called, called the people to, to stand at attention. They, they, they began to, to be on their toes. He, he challenged them to take the focus off themselves and put it on God. And you and I would do well to do the very same thing, to stand at attention, listening for God, looking for God, hearing from God. You and I would do well to stand on our toes, stretching for God, not putting ourselves first, but God number one. So in this great book of Malachi, he mentions four things that were particularly troubling to the Lord. First, the, the people had failed to rightly keep the Sabbath. They, they were preoccupied with other things. It's all too easy to let that happen. We, we know that sort of stress and strain in our own lives, preoccupied with other things at the expense of, of really knowing God, at the expense of really worshiping God. It's all too easy to get out of the habit of worship. We can all get disconnected before we even realize it. I fear that a lot of that disconnect is taking place for far too many as they begin to emerge out of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, where there has been sort of a separation. Now that separation leads into a disconnect when it comes to worship. That's why it is so important to keep up a regular practice of worship, whether that is uh, private or, or public, to keep a, a regular rhythm of worshiping God. Second, the people really didn't put themselves into their worship. They were half-hearted at best. God even asks in the, the midst of, um, of Malachi, where's the honor? What honor are you giving me? I've always been struck by the, uh, the phrase coined by Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. That's the way it should be when we worship. That's the way it should be when we uh, go about our daily lives, our utmost for his highest. So for the people of that day, they were not keeping the Sabbath as they should have. They were not really putting their hearts into their worship. Third, the, the, the prophet expressed his displeasure about the way they were going about family. And he really speaks pointedly to, to what was going on. Some took foreign wives. More importantly for us, Malachi speaks very clearly about adultery. In a word, he says, don't cheat. 
Malachi even speaks a word about the Lord hating divorce. All of us need to work on our marriages. Finally, Malachi speaks a very clear word about shortchanging God when it comes to giving. That great and famous passage from Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. In that day and age, much like in our own, the people had failed to recognize the source of all they had. Giving for them was an afterthought, just like it is so often for, for us. Rather than giving being a matter of first order, it became more of an aside. And what giving took place was really not the, the best that could be given. The people were not giving themselves to the Lord, and hence that was uh, expressed very, very pointedly in a quantifiable way by what they were giving of material possession. Even in their giving, the people had put God on the back burner. And so these things hit hard to, to the day in which Malachi, to those who lived in the day in which Malachi prophesied. And I think that they, uh, they hit hard even to this day. You want to read them in their entirety as you dig through the entire book of, of Malachi in regard to holding fast to, to Sabbath. In, in worshiping with your whole heart, of, of giving attention to family and giving as, as an expression of the, of the deep and abiding provision that God offers each and every day. Malachi employs two images in, in his book. He does so in the, the, the third chapter. He speaks clearly about, uh, about judgment through them. Uh, he, uh, he makes his point through these two images. The first is of the refiner's fire. The other is of the launderer's soap. We all know about the refiner's fire. In fact, we have already in this present sermon series talked about precious metals uh, being refined by fire. The, the heat of the refiner's fire melts the, the precious metals. You know the, you know the process. We've, we've talked about it before. All the impurities as that metal is, is heated and becomes molten begin to, to rise to the top. All those impurities then are skimmed off. The, the fire of the refiner is not all that bad. In fact, it leads to something very good. While the process of refining can be painful, what is left is pure and more beautiful than ever before. In talking with a friend of mine just this past week, my friend shared about his son who, having gone through a very challenging time over a long period of time, recognized that he had been refined all along. It takes a lot of maturity to, to recognize that, but that sort of refining had taken place, and it was not always easy for him, but as he looks back, he can see the Lord's hand in the mix of it all. The challenges of this life, 
while not always easy, can work to make us much stronger and even more dedicated than the day we first began. God is always at work, not only to transform, but to deeply refine our lives. Sometimes that's not always easy, but we emerge from that being stronger, more beautiful, and pure than when we began. Malachi also uses the, uh, the image of the, of the launderer's soap. Eugene Peterson, in, um, the, paraphr- in, his, in, in the message, uh, a paraphrase of the Scripture, uh, puts things this way. The Lord in His judgment will be like the, the strongest lies soap at the laundry. The strongest lies soap at the laundry. Well, years ago, people used to make lye soap. Some do that to this day. Its ingredients include uh, lard and lye, even though lye soap can be harsh, and I understand it can be, be very harsh. It always gets the job done. It's not like the, the processed soaps of today that have all sorts of cream and, and perfumes. Lye soap is just soap, plain and simple but it does the trick. The image in, in Malachi of the, of the launderer's soap has to do with the, the, the necessary cleaning the Lord does to get His people to the very place where they can, can truly follow Him. That's what God was attempting to do uh, as uh, He spoke through the prophet Malachi. The, the prophet Malachi acted as, as sort of that launderer's soap And in that bringing and drawing the people to the place where they could once and for all be cleansed, of course, we know that God is all about that in Jesus Christ. God sent His Son so that we might be clean, forgiven, if you will. And we know that that forgiveness takes place on account of what Jesus did on the cross, in speaking with our, our, our youth last Wednesday night at their, their, their youth group meeting and talking about what Jesus did on the cross, I shared with them that there is no more wonderful place to be in life than to be clean before the Lord. And, and God offers that through what Jesus did on the cross, acting as sort of a launderer's soap, if you will. God's forgiveness is always possible as we make our confession before Him and as we share in the forgiveness that He offers through the cross. Malachi 4.1 puts it this way, surely the day is coming. Needless to say, there is a, a good deal of gloom and doom in and through the book of Malachi. And we've been talking about that all the way through as, as, I've, as I've shared. But that's not the entire story. That's not all that, that God has to say through His prophet. Malachi has a good word, particularly for those who revere God's name, those who put their faith in Him. Malachi talks about the sun of righteousness rising with healing in its rays. We all know about seasonal affective disorder, 
or, or sad. We, we talk about that a good deal during the, the dark uh, days and weeks of, uh, of the winter season. It affects many. The long, dark days of winter really get to them. In fact, during winter, I try to get out as, as, as much as I can, particularly when it's sunny, just to just sort of bask in the, the brightness of the sun. All of us uh, long for the sun during those days of winter. That's why I never complain about the summer, no matter how hot it gets, no matter how humid it gets, because I know that the winter is tough. Malachi asserts that a new day is about to dawn, particularly for those who follow him. The prophet brings a word of hope. God is about to act. The prophet sees God stirring and brings a hopeful word. He longs for the day when the Messiah will come, the Son of Righteousness rising with healing in its rays. Malachi even talks about the one who will precede the Messiah. His mention of, of Elijah is a, is a direct reference to, to John the Baptist. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me, says the Lord. All along, those looking for the Messiah were looking for Elijah to come. And John the Baptist fits that role to a T. The son of righteousness, S-U-N, would be the son of righteousness, S-O-N, the very Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Himself said about Himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. The Son of Righteousness will bring healing in His rays. The light of the world comes to bring healing. In, in Christ, there's no absence of light. His light shines upon us, offering hope, healing, and wholeness. So let's face it. Every one of us are in need of, of healing, some physically, others more so spiritually and in other ways. And Jesus stands ready to bring that healing. Jesus stands ready to make us whole. We know from Scripture that, that Jesus was all about making people whole, whether it be physically, spiritually, emotionally. He healed any number of people. One of the quintessential examples of, of, of Jesus treating the whole person, making the whole person whole, was when, when a paralytic's friends cut a hole in the, the roof of the home where Jesus was was teaching, and they lowered his friend through the, the hole in that roof, and there he was at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus not only healed the paralytic physically, but he also forgave his sins. He healed him spiritually. Jesus comes not only to heal us physically, but comes to heal us spiritually. And all this on account of what He did on the cross. And that's good news. And it is the very fulfillment of the prophecy that Malachi spoke so many centuries before. 
he, he, he talks about healing in the wings of the Son of Righteousness. Jesus comes and brings that healing even to this day, healing physically, healing spiritually, to where we are able to become whole in every way. We talked earlier about the, the, the importance of, of last words. We need to listen for those last words all the time, particularly the, the one, ones that we read today, this very last book in the Old Testament. Eternal words are even more important. Yeah, last words are important. But eternal words are even more important. Hear then this eternal word about the word. We find that in the prologue of the Gospel of John, where John writes in the beginning the word, there was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was God from the beginning. All along, God was pointing toward the day when his son would come. And we hear about that through a prophet like Malachi and so many of the other prophets that we have talked about over the, the period of this summer. The words of the prophets, the minor prophets, and all the other prophets that we learn about throughout the Old Testament speak about that day, the day where, where God would intersect life and send his son and, and work that great work that brings life to all who would turn and offer their lives in faith to God through his offer, his son, Jesus Christ. All the while, as the prophets were, were prophesying, all the while, while they were talking about God's justice and mercy, his power and encouragement, his salvation and healing, even his call and judgment. We've read a lot about judgment today. They were, in effect, pointing to that great day of Christ's coming. The great day of Christ's coming. And we live in that age. We live in the, the very offer of Christ for our lives. And in that, our lives have the opportunity to be turned and transformed in every way. Even as the prophets called for a faithful, obedient response, and we've heard about that, that, that call for that faithful, obedient response all through, they were preparing these prophets for the coming of Christ. It comes to us as we hear of Christ, as we know that he has come to make the same faithful obedient response to give our lives to Jesus. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Just as the prophets call us to a faithful, obedient response, let's trust and obey. And let's pray together. God, we do thank you for your deep and abiding blessing through the prophets of old.
We are thankful for the ways that they continue to lean into our lives. Lord, we, we thank you for the great gift that is Jesus. Those prophets of old pointed to the day that you would act and, and would uh, send, send forth your Son, the Christ. We are thankful that he has come. We are thankful that he is present. We are thankful that we might live in your grace through him. Lord, we pray that we respond with faith. We pray that we respond obediently. We pray, Lord, that we hear from you clearly. And then that in hearing you speak, even through the prophets, that we would respond with our whole hearts. Lord, may we not be divided. May we not be preoccupied. Lord, we pray that we respond with all that we are. And in that, may we find ourselves rejoicing in the great good news that is Jesus who comes to bring healing in his race. Lord, thank you for blessing us in the ways that you do. And Lord, thank you for the blessing of your word where we hear of the great prophecies of those of old that still speak even to this day. This prayer we make in the name of Christ, trusting in the power of that name for today's world. Amen.